it's hockey season. We've got games, we've got big performances, maybe the odd little goalie controversy brewing. There is so much going on in the goalie world, as always, and it's awesome that we get to hang out with you to talk about it. Welcome to In Goal Radio Podcast, presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports at thehockeyshop.com. This is episode 232, and today we are featuring, from the Ontario Hockey League, Dom DeVincentis. I'm David Hutchison. I'm here again with our in-house goalie guru, Kevin Woodley. Woody, good to see you again, buddy. Feeling better, Hutch. I'm, I'm, I'm all sunshine and rainbows and happy puppies these days. It's awesome. I feel like we could write a whole manual on how to deal with a concussion as a goaltender with all your experience. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, we're into double digits. Let's just leave it at that. Um, and we're into conversations about whether I should be playing at all anymore on the home front, but we'll leave that for another day. We're trying to focus on the positives. Um, treatment helps. Not everybody has access to that. I'm blessed to, uh, have relationships with people who actually work with NHL and actually not through my work with the NHL, but you know, some, uh, sacrocranial therapy that seems to take some of the stress and pressure off and, uh, rest and sort of monitoring symptom return as you ramp up return to play. So I'm happy to report that last night I was able to ride the bike without any return of nausea, dizziness, or headaches, which is first time in a month. It's uh, It feels good. Okay, I got a way that you can be allowed back on the ice. I've had this long-time theory. Have you watched any NFL practices and they have the linemen that have like an extra helmet on top of their helmet because... NFL linemen face the greatest concussion risk. I don't think people realize that. They expect that it's just one big, huge collision, but they've got head-on-head collisions every single play. So they started to put an extra cap on these guys for safety and practice. I think the day is going to come. We're going to do something like that for goaltenders because they get so many rung off their head in practice. I think players need to learn to shoot to the top of the net, so I feel for them to an extent. I think we're going to see somebody out there one day with a goalie helmet on and something like a rugby scrum cap or something to give them an extra layer of safety and practice. And you're the only person I know who's got the guts to put himself out there in beer league doing strange things in a hockey game. What do you think, Woody? Rugby World Cup is on right now, I think, too. So I think gets me back out there. I'm up for trying anything, my friend. Um, I'll be there with my camera. Let's be honest. I mean, I look stupid when I'm stopping the puck or not stopping the puck or whatever, it looks a little goofy. So uh, I have no hesitation trying something a little different. Although to be perfectly honest with you, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, not worried about shots, feel pretty safe on shots. Um, You know, even the one that knocked my tooth out, that was a silly mistake in terms of having uh, too much elasticity and a temporary chin cup holder that I was using and allowing the bottom of the mask to open up. But there was no head trauma in that one. This is typically... And I guess the little bubble helmet would protect me from that. This is this is people crashing. This is the contact that comes in the crease. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm not worried about it right now. Just happy to be feeling better. And uh, you know what? You know what? I'm happy to be back at the rink. Not just covering Amen. the National Hockey League, but American Hockey League was in town. Got to go watch Dustin Wolf. Uh, last week here in Abbotsford with the Calgary Wranglers. Got to watch his pregame warm-up. Got to come up with an article for us at ingolmeg.com because every pregame, he does this three-shot routine, pucks at three different spots, and it looks so simple, and yet it's his feel-good drill. And so we talked to him about that. We talked to Mackenzie Skapsky about that, and we've got the drill, the conversations. Everything is online at ingolmeg.com. So that's what I'm happiest about. 
Um, seems to be really well received. You ever had a morning? Well, I guess we don't have morning skates in beer league, but you ever had a warm up or or a practice even where you just you feel like you can't stop a thing? Like hard to believe that Wolfie has this after four straight, you know, whatever league he's playing in, he's the goalie of the year for four straight years. Western League times two and a CHL goalie of the year. Last two in the American Hockey League. You know, even he has morning skates where things don't feel good. As he said, doesn't feels like I can't stop a puck. This is the drill he goes to to just feel good again. And so I think that resonates with a lot of goaltenders. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of people like at the end of a bad practice. Hey, can we just line pucks out here? There you go. Uh, there are worse things you can do than take tips and uh, imitate what Dustin Wolf does. And he shares a lot of those breakdowns. It's up at ingolmag.com right now. Make sure you check that out. It's an awesome one. Uh, I think in Dustin Wolf's case, it might just be all relative. He probably had two pucks go past him in morning skate and feels like he can't stop a thing. So, but we all have our own ways. I have to say as a coach, you know, I, I used to think that you have to come up with the coolest drills with the, all these different layers and flavors and make them new and improved reinvent the wheel. And now I find myself going back to our site, looking for the simplest things. I had a specific problem in practice one day. So I pulled out an old Eli Wilson drill, the old moving glove drill. Cause I really wanted to try something very specific in this case. What a great drill just to give guys some feel it's simple. And what I really like about it, goalies who are listening to this thinking, oh, I'm not coaching. This doesn't matter. How many times has a goaltender been left at, the, at a practice with a couple of shooters and just given time to do something because the coach is busy down at the other end? Here's a simple drill that you can ask a couple of players to work on with you. So a lot of these simple drills, I actually think apply to goaltenders as much as coaches. Go check it out. What else is new on the site, Woody? Not long after this podcast launches, I'm putting the pressure on you, Hutch, because you are the master of all things that exist Never. at Eagle Magazine. Nothing goes up on the site without you spending hours and hours behind the scenes creating it. And so hopefully not long after this podcast launches, Joel Hofer, Pro Reads, coming off his first shutout last night in the National Hockey League in Calgary. They're actually here in Vancouver, so I'm going to see him at the rink, along with Jordan Bennington a little later after we record this. But Pro Reads from Joel, great, great advice on low-high pop passes. I don't want to give it away. I was tempted to start this discussion, but let's... Let's sort of hit pause on that and we'll, we'll come next back week, to maybe. it next week because it's a, it's a great discussion on low high pop passes and a trend I'm seeing early in the National Hockey League in terms of what shooters are exposing on goaltenders. And so it was really cool to just happen to, you know, I saw Joel get pitched the goose egg. He's got the donut, happy for him, go into his video. I wanted to have a bonus pro reads this week because, of course, we've already had a pro reads up for the week. Linus Elmark, no big deal, Vezina Trophy winner. His latest video breakdown is up on the site. Uh, we had so many pro reads that we banked in the summer. I want to start trying when we can, when time permits, to get a couple out a week. So Joel Hofer is your bonus pro reads this week. We've got Linus Allmark and man, like nine video breakdowns with Linus Allmark on the site right now. Like your reigning Vezina Trophy winner, uh, off to a good start this season. I know this the the Bruins had a rough one last night in Anaheim um, with a late comeback by the Ducks, but just so many great takeaways that he shares with us. And of course, that's all all up at ingolmag.com, all exclusive to our Ingol Premium members. And, you know, at the risk of just being a shameless shill for the product we created, where else in the world can you sit down and watch videos and have NHL goalies, including some of the best Vesna Trophy winners like Connor Hellebuck and Linus Allmark, young rising stars like Thatcher Demko, uh, so many, Carrie Price, if you go into the archives, one of the greatest of all times, sit down and break down video 
and explain what they're looking for and help you identify keys in certain situations to help you read the game better. It's all up at ingoldmag.com. I can't remember. We're close to 200 different videos up there. Uh, if you buy an annual membership for just 50 bucks Canadian, it's hard, but like it's cup what, of coffee in the States. Sharpening card, right? Like it's a 10 skate sharpening card. I don't even know if you can get a 10 sharpening card for 50 bucks anymore. Um, it's I what I'm trying to say here is it's a great deal. You literally get access to the entire archives. You can go back and watch 200 video breakdowns with NHL goalies on our new Pro Reads pages. It's simple to do. Hit Carry Price, and all of them will come up in a list. You don't have to read it. You can just watch a video. Um, so, yeah, make sure you check it out at ingoldmag.com. Wow. I don't even know how I can keep up with you. We should let everybody know that our... People want me to go back to being concussed and quiet. <laughs> We're all, all sunshine and rainbows here today. We should mention that our Stanley Cup winning host, Darren Millard, is just busy on assignment today. He is juggling so many things that are happening. All, lots of great early season success for Darren and for Vegas. And so we have to roll with it this week. Our feature guest this week is presented by Sensorina, and it's Dom DiVincentis from the Ontario Hockey League, the North Bay Battalion, uh, goaltender of the year last year. I thought it was a pretty awesome interview, Woody. But before we get to that, what did you and Cam cook up at the hockey shop? I gotta be honest, we've cooked up so much of late that I'm trying to remember which one this is. I think we're doing Vaughn pants, which sort of follows up from our Vaughn chest protector a couple of weeks and how those two pieces of equipment might integrate. Um, But I can tell you after being at the hockey shop, actually, I was there just the other day to get my wheel sharpened um, by Cecil. And please don't tell my wife that I had one good bike ride without feeling nauseous and immediately got my skate sharpened. But I just happened <laughs> to be in the area. So I got my wheels. I got them cleaned. You know what blew me away is like you always talk about how good Cecil is with the sharpening. And he's obviously got a team of people because didn't you tell me they had six sharpeners rolling trying to keep up with constant, the just constant. That was a pro D day. That was that was when I was in there to film something with Cam and pick some other things up. Uh, a little while back but yeah like it's so busy in there and that's the thing like you don't just get Cecil's expertise you get the fact that he shared it with all the other guys I talk about Cam and his team Cam gets the spotlight but he's got a great group of fellow-minded passionate goalies that work with him in the goalie department same with Cecil in the sharpening department so it doesn't matter who who puts that final buzz on your on your wheels there you're going to come out with the edge you want and so uh, I was there um and Cam's already got like new product that i need to go back and do another we got the new bauer agent stick we've got the new warrior ritual v3i stick and coming very soon i think he said it would be there any day the new brian's iconic line pads and gloves so uh there is new stuff we've we've talked about it i know a lot recently typically all the new gear comes in the spring no more right like we've got we had the new ccm xf axis xf mask with the 3D printed liner that we highlighted on the site and and with the gear segment last week, that's in stock and flying off the shelves, by the way. All this stuff, same with the Bauer Agent, the Bauer Agent stick, Cam's already had to reorder it, very popular item with Boron. So we'll get back in there and we'll do reviews of all this new product. But if you have any questions about new stuff that we haven't hit yet, make sure you reach out to the Hockey Shop, whether online at thehockeyshop.com or in person. We'll hear Cam give us the number here in the segment in a minute. If you've got any questions about inventory, supplies, uh, you know, what's up with the new sticks? Like, is the is the new Ritual V3i for me? Like, what is what does it combine from past models? 
the Bauer agent stick. What is boron? How does it work? The new iconic line from Brian's. All that stuff is coming in. We'll answer all your questions as fast as we can, but we're only once a week and that means we can't keep up. So check them out online at thehockeyshop.com and you'll be able to find the latest and greatest and lots of it as well as, never forget, sale prices on past items that these are now replacing. Make sure you check it out in person at the Hockey Shop in Langley or online at thehockeyshop.com. My son, Maddie plays in Vancouver, just up the street from the hockey shop, and he stopped by last week because he wanted to see that new stick made with boron, just like Kevin Woodley. Nothing boring about it, though. It's pretty exciting. He wanted Ooh, to see jokes. it. jokes. Yeah. Hey, and you'll be very proud of him. He took delivery of some new Axis XF gear this week, used it for one practice, and stopped by to see Cam because he wanted to make sure he could clean off all the puck marks. Ooh, really? He did. And what did Cam give him? Did he give him the the product that I gave Spencer Martin to clean his pads? Yes, the puck sir. Out? Indeed. Ooh, we got to be careful. Got to be careful what parts and what colors you use that stuff on. It's lethal. I got to say. It, yep, yep. We talked about Spencer Martin. There's an article online about how he used to put Vaseline on the face of his pads because because then the puck marks wouldn't stick and they were easy to oh, wipe I off at the end Maddie of the game. That. Yeah, yeah, it's a li- that's a little out there. It's a little out there. We love Spencer and congratulations to him on his first win with his new team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, last week. Uh, nice performance too. I think it was 36 or 37. Uh, but interestingly enough, you got to be careful with that stuff. Here's the thing: like I saw Thatcher Demko. In the locker room last week, I haven't had a chance to ask him about it, and I'll see if he's doing it on game day today. But he had like the 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 magic eraser, the Mister Clean, and he was going to town on his white pads to remove puck marks. And I was shocked because I didn't think that's something he would ever do. So, uh, and and I'm not sure the equipment managers appreciated that session because there were little pieces of white all over from the oh, magic from eraser the magic disintegrating eraser. in the locker room. So. Have to get to the bottom of that because, uh, like I said, not something he used to do. Maybe Spencer rubbed off on him a little bit in terms of the desire for you know a fresh look every time you hit the ice. I have no problem with that. I have a fresh look every time I hit the ice because nothing ever hits me. There you go. Hey, just a tip for parents out there, the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. We should be sponsored by them, I think. Bought my wife a new iMac 20 years ago to celebrate a new job. And our very young daughter at the time, maybe it was 19 years ago, uh, I woke up the next morning and she had taken a ballpoint pen to the face of the new iMac, completely covering the screen, had a heart attack, and then pulled out the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, and it was like new. Don't take my advice for this, parents. I will not be held liable if you destroy a screen. I don't know if the iMac screens are the same now as they were 20 years ago. 20 years ago, they were like the giant, like, Colored yeah. bubbles, weren't they? Uh, not quite, not quite, but but pretty close, buddy. Pretty close. I am that old, that's for sure. Uh, I was on the original version of Windows and thought it was new and innovative. <laughs> so hey, listen, listen, listen. I make jokes, but those 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 old like brightly colored bubbled Macs. That's what I started in university on. So I'm with you on the old as dirt category, my friend. There you go. Okay, we're gonna get to Dom DiVincentis really soon, but first we need to head over to the hockey shop. And uh, I've always thought that Woody looks cool in a sharp pair of pants. And now we can find out if Vaughn suits Woody. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. And some exciting... We had the Vaughn V10 chest protector recently. Yes. Vaughn V10 pants. Pro Carbon. 
Pro Carbon Velocity V10. Obviously, the Velocity line, the V line. Cam? Yes. What's new? What's great? What makes this a pant that... Actually, I can't say the exact pant, but I will say. Let's, let's just start with the flap. Let's start with the flap. Well, no, I think you started... You, you hit something cool there. I think. Well, but I don't know that it was the V10 that they switched to. But these flaps, these five thigh flaps, based on one of these videos that we did here with a previous model showing off the extra protection of these flaps coming to retail, an NHL goaltender, I'm not going to say who, but he does have a Vesna trophy on his mantle, switched based on that extra padding and has stuck with it. So this being at retail in the V10 line is a pretty big deal. When so we've got Vesna I- trophy, win- tro- trophy, I guess I'll never win one. I can't even say it. Vesna trophy winners switching because of because of your great sales job on. Uh, say my intuitive uh, product knowledge and uh, genuinely cunning sales skills. You're saying an NHL goalie switched because of one of our videos. Well, they tried it because of one of our videos and switched because it actually worked. Yeah, we're never going to make his head small enough. You know what? Like, I actually had to wear the franchise goalie. Thanks out to the BHLPA and uh, our friend Kane Van Gate. I had to wear the franchise goalie hoodie today because I knew I would be making your head way too big by telling you that. I think we've gotten a little off topic. Let's go back to the pan. Okay, there we go. Beyond so, the why? flaps, what v- else is good? 10 Pro Carbon. And yeah, you know what? To be honest, a great place to start. So there's a lot of pro features that we would see in more, say, like an NHL Pro Pant or on a custom order for these pants, which was quite common, that have been now brought down into what would be the stock retail model. So starting with that double hip flap, for sure. These guys are providing you that extra protection while still offering that great flexibility and movement between. So before- Why, Cam? Because it's segmented. It is segmented. That's correct. We like the segmentation. So it offers some great flexibility, offers great protection. Overall feel and mobility is definitely going to be there. So I kind of feel like this almost is an NHL legal pant because the the- the sort of the thigh barrels, thigh barrels are, are rounded, and that means that they're a not not nine inch nine inch wide barrel. That is correct, which is NHL legal. So you are going to get a little bit more of a rounded pant here. Um, can be a little bit of a different feel for some. What aids though is that you do get some better mobility with the pant. What you're not going to see is a flat style blocking surface. So it differs from some of the other pants on the wall, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So if you're looking for a little bit more mobility. Bit more of a gym short feel, I think. I'm going to coin a term here. Not sure I want to be playing goaltender in gym shorts, so we might want to avoid that. As but a super padded gym shorts. Super salesman cam. That's I'm fine. not sure that one works. I think it works great. Okay, gym shorts. We're calling the flexibility of the... Okay. Yeah. Speaking of NHL legal, there's no inner belt on this. So for me, that a is guy that as likes well. an inner belt, not so much. But a lot of guys like yourself don't wear inner belts. You do it up with the... You keep them up with the old suspenders. And you're the old suspenders. Go. And exactly. of course, as we saw on the V10 chest protector, they've got a special loop for your suspenders. So this makes perfect sense that there's no inner belt. Correct. So before we get up into that upper portion of the pant and the hip padding itself, one more quick call out. Vaughn has done this for quite a number of years on their pants itself. Also a lace tab for laced in knee guards. Um, if you prefer to have them held up as your pant is one integrated unit, as opposed to using a guard belt or whatever other way you want to do it, just a nice call out and a nice quick feature there too as well. Sticking with the NHL legal theme because, of course, you couldn't actually fix them securely. It has to be a loose string. You couldn't actually have them sewn into the pant that became illegal after 2004. A move made popular by one J.S. Chaguer and Francois Allaire. 
knee pad integrated into the pant in a fixed, you drop everything rises, including the chest, and you end Not up Not only is it a pant conversation, it's also a history lesson. That's the kind of information you get on today's video cast. Okay, let's go back to the inside. Yeah, no inner belt. Pant. All right, no inner belt. Higher hip padding. So this is something we saw kind of in the SLR pant. You can see the- it on me sitting here, although this is a, a pant that is two sizes too big for me. We we put on a big one. We put, you did put on a big one. So call them my fat pants, folks. That higher pant, that higher waist, it is going to add a little bit better integration. So you do tuck in that chest. It's coming up a little bit more. It's helping to grab onto it. Or if you leave it untucked, again, it's going to make sure that you're covered and have, you know, a little bit more coverage, especially if you lean over to one side, the chest product kind of moves out of the way. You're still going to at least have some hip padding there to give you some coverage. Um, one of the features that I do like is that they've redone where the front where the lacing is. They've gone with um, their quick slide material, which is eerily similar to Brian's Primo material, um, onto the front face of that pad. Um, and Durability. This, exactly. I mean, as much as Primo and quick slide, whatever you want to call it, it's pretty much the same stuff. Uh, now helps the pad slide faster. It was originally designed for high wear areas because it is more durable. So you're right, Kim. Uh, in addition to being aesthetically pleasing, um, it makes sense in a high wear area to increase the durability of the lacing. Exactly, exactly. So finishing off of the pant, you still got a nice big band that's going to help and aid in that stretch as well. Uh, in terms of overall flexibility of the pant, again, just calling out that fact that you are getting that really mobile movement feel with it overall. Um, great option uh, for you, again, if you're looking for something that's going to give you the most mobility and feeling a little bit you know, tighter on the, on the actual pant side of things as well. Von V10, including features that convinced a Vezina Trophy winner to switch. Thanks to Cam Matwood. Uh, 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or check us out at thehockeyshop.com. That includes NHL goalies who are planning on winning the Vezina this year. You can just call Cam and ask what size you need. Perfect. I will pick up the phone. The rest of you, check it out at thehockeyshop.com. Woody, I, the thing that you guys focused on, the thing that got a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender excited, I can't believe that the other manufacturers haven't hopped on it as much. Because every time we're on the ice at Net360 and I see goaltenders skate by wearing Vaughn pants with that double hip protection, I just think it's a no-brainer. I mean, that's a spot. I get stingers. Uh, what a great feature to have, and I'm so glad it's available to everybody. Yes, and as I said, I believe in the chat with Cam, Quite literally, the first time we debuted that on the gear segment, and it's very nice to know because that means guys are guys right up. To, like, I'd be honest with you, we love our audience, we love everyone. I don't expect it to include National Hockey League goaltenders when it comes to the gear segment, but it does. And this goalie switched, and I haven't asked him for permission to share that story. Um, I'm not sure his gear sponsor, which is not Vaughn, would love it, but. <laughs> I I love it. Like this is an NHL goalie coming up to me last season and being like, yeah, hey, I switched to those pants because I saw you guys talking about that double hip protection, that extra layer of hip protection. Obviously, they've got it in this line as well. And as you said, Hutch, a no brainer. And I I think sometimes there are custom mods, uh, you know, at the National Hockey League level that for some reason take a while for retailers or or, sorry, manufacturers to make stock on retail. And this is one that I'm with you. It's a no brainer. Um, and I think we'll see more of it from other manufacturers. Hint, hint, might have a pair of 2024 sitting upstairs with an extra flap. Um, I think we'll see that in the near future. Absolutely. Well, 
kudos to you. Kudos to Cam. Thank you for bringing us all the great insights on all the great gear. Uh, look forward to heading over to the hockey shop this week. In fact, to uh, film a few more of those segments. So if anybody's got something they want to learn more about, we've had some great suggestions uh, come along recently. Let us know and maybe we can fit it into the next recording session. Okay, time to head over to our feature interview presented as always by our friends at Sensorina. I am going to give some radical Sensorina advice right now, Woody. Don't go buy Sensorina today. Don't go buy it tomorrow. Don't go buy it the day after that, hold off because on November Do you the just 1st, tell people not to buy the product of our major sponsor? But I'm getting attention, aren't I? Like, people are listening. So listen up, everybody. You got my attention. Yeah. So wait until November 1st. It's just around the corner. You might already be listening to this podcast. Don't buy Sensorina until November 1st. I'm probably in trouble for saying it, but they've got an incredible new release coming out on November 1st. NHL Sensorina, it's going to be called... There is all sorts of awesome content. It is sitting on my headset right now because we get to do a little preview of it. Uh, It is an absolute game changer and you are going to want to check it out. I don't need to say any more than that. We're going to have a full uh, sort of preview of it soon at InGoal and we'll talk about it next week on the show. But Sense Arena is an absolute game changer for training off the ice for goaltenders and this new one is going to be a game changer for Sense Arena. So check it out November 1st. If you want to be one of those quick early adopters, use that code IGM50 and you'll be able to get a further discount on whatever specials they're going to be offering. If you're already a Sense Arena user, all you're going to have to do is download the latest version in your headset when they tell you to do it and you can get rocking and rolling with some incredible training. So November 1st, check it out. If you've already got the headset and you haven't tried Sensorina, you'll also have a free trial available to check it out. So that's all I'm going to say this week. Woody, do you need to set up this interview for us? I don't, actually. I think this one speaks for itself. Uh, we could tell you that he's a Winnipeg Jets draft pick. I think we do early. Yep. Um, that he signed his first contract, uh, that he's, he's the OHL goalie of the year. At the end of the day, uh, it's not so much about the credentials, what he's done. It's more about where he's headed, and I think he's got a bright future, and you'll hear that that comes through. Just I loved everything about Dom's approach, um, so I. and I was really happy to have him on the Ingo Radio podcast. Maybe not a name that you know people that just pay attention to the upper levels of the NHL are aware of yet, uh, but trust me, maybe as soon as the World Junior Championships this year, it's a name you're going to be hearing a lot in the future. And like I said, let's just let him speak for himself, because I thought he did a really nice job of it. Really excited to welcome to the Ingo Radio Podcast for the first time, but I'm counting on this not being the last time, Dom DeVincentis from the, well, I guess, do we introduce you as the, from the Winnipeg Jets, Jets draft pick, just coming off of uh, Jets training camp, Jets rookie camp, OHL goaltender of the year with the North Bay Battalion, which is where we catch up with him now. I just, first of all, thank you so much, Dom, for taking the time to catch up with us and our audience after what has been, I would imagine, a whirlwind couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's definitely been a great few weeks. You know, got to 
got to go down to Winnipeg for, you know, a few camps this summer and, uh, and, you know, it couldn't be more excited to get started with that, uh, organization. It's, uh, it's been an amazing time for the past couple of years that I've been with them and, um, super honored to be able to sign my entry level contract and the first NHL contract with them. Um, as well as, you know, getting into my first ever NHL preseason game. It's, uh, it was pretty pretty surreal and, and really cool to experience that. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that my family was able to come down to be a part of it as well. And, um, you know, it's super exciting. But like you said, uh, back in North Bay for um, for another season here in the OHL and uh, couldn't be more excited to be on the journey with these with uh, our team over here to win a Memorial Cup and, you know, achieving something that, you know, has been a goal of mine. And, I know for a lot of guys on this team since day one of being in this league. So I'm super excited to be here and uh, really excited to be on this podcast. Okay. There's so many different little questions I have about what the the summer's been like, what life has been like since you were drafted uh, in, in 2022 by the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe let's just, let's, let's go back to what you talked about your first taste of national hockey league action to step onto the ice as an NHL or, in the preseason against other guys who are trying to make the national hockey league established guys who have been in it before. What, what's that moment like and what did it mean to you to have the opportunity to have the family there to see it? I, I'm guessing that means the jets gave you a heads up. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, it's so surreal and it's really an honor that I got to be a part of that, uh, that, that game and um, a part of something that you that I dreamed about as a kid growing up in this sport and, pretty much why I got into the sport was for the end goal of being in the NHL one day and um, to get a taste of it and um, be right there. It's so, so unreal. And for, like you said, like for my family to be down there, it was, it was unreal that all the hard work and the dedication that they've put into me and helped me, you know, get through this to this point in my career for them to be able to experience that with me was something that like I can't, words can't even explain. And, um, but I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's unreal. And yeah, the, I mean, they did give me a heads up that, you know, I was going to be a part of the game. So I was able to let my parents know and my family know, and uh, for them to, you know, be on such short notice that they were able to come down there. It's it was, it's so special. And to be a part of that, it, it was such a crazy experience to, you know, got to play, um, be a part of the game at home um, in Winnipeg. So a lot of the big guys dressed, uh, Shifley, Brassois, uh, Connor, you know, some of the, like Josh Morrissey, some of the big guys got to to dress. And for me to be a part of that with them, it was so cool um, as a kid growing up and, you know, getting my first kind of taste of what it feels like to be in the National League. So um, couldn't be more honored and, and um, super excited to like get started. I mean, I'm guessing on some level, it's not totally foreign to you to be on the ice with them. You're at training camp. You're, I imagine getting a chance to skate with them at, at various periods, depending on how the groups are split up. But to take it into a game, I got to think there's nerves there, right? Like, I'd, I'd be nervous. What, yeah, I guess to, to, to sort of take it to in a different track, how do you handle it? How did you manage it? Knowing your parents are there, knowing that this is another step, uh, some advice maybe for other young kids who certainly aren't stepping onto National Hockey League guys for the first time, but might be taking another step in their careers, whether it's making a travel AAA club for the first time or just a moment that's new to them and bigger to them. Have you got any tips and advice on how to handle nerves if you felt any at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, nerves are, are, are always there. I think, you know, 
there's a difference between nerves being actually nervous of something or, you know, the butterflies and the excitement. And that's what, you know, people call nerves. But um, for me, I feel like, you know, I've been, I've been through a couple different situations in my, in my career where, you know, the draft, the draft could have been an example of a nerves and uh, you know, being in the OHL playoffs last year would be an example of nerves. And um, there's so many different situations that I've kind of been in. And for me, I've learned how to handle it. And I work with a mind coach um, every week and, you know, being able to talk to somebody about stuff, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's always going to be that, that, that sort of excitement, nerves, if you like to call it, but it, it was my second camp with Winnipeg. And right. um, yeah, I, I did, I did get to skate with, uh, with the big guys pretty much for uh, two weeks almost. And it, it's super exciting, but you know, when you get there and you, and you really step on that ice with them, hockey is just another game. Like it, it's just something you enjoy doing and you kind of put yourself in, in their shoes. Like you kind of see yourself as being, you know, a semi-pro or, or a professional when you're on the ice with those guys. So you kind of learn to keep those nerves away and treat it more as if, you know, this is home. Like this is, this is where I belong. And um, it's same thing that goes to like when I'm in North Bay, like I get on the ice for a practice or for a game, there's always that excitement, but I mean, the nerves, it's kind of, it's where I belong and it's, it's the team I'm on. So that's the way I kind of treat it when I'm there and a part of, you know, the Jets organization when I'm practicing or playing with them is that it's, I'm here for a reason and and this is going to be my future team and my future organization. So um, no need for those nerves, but obviously nerves are good. Nerves are a good thing. And the butterflies are a good thing pre-game and pre-practice if you know how to handle them. So obviously heading into my first ever NHL you want to call it NHL game or preseason game, there's definitely that excitement. I was, I was so ecstatic heading to the rink and being able to, you know, see the behind the scenes of when you're a little kid at a, at a hockey game and, and you get to see the arena full of fans and um, you really get to, you really wonder what those guys are like behind the scenes and to actually experience that as being one of them, it's full of excitement and full of different situations that happen. And, but you know, you learn how to handle them and, um, once you step on that ice, it's another game of hockey, like I said. So those nerves and excitement kind of shy away a little bit and you learn to just handle them um, in a good way and, and use them as kind of motivation and, and excitement. I love it. I love it. I'm excited just listening to that answer, Dom. Um, you mentioned working with a mind coach. Feel free to drop a name if you want, but uh, it sounds like you have a perfect mindset towards that. Is that does that just sort of come with experience, as you said, having been through all those different things and talking to somebody about how to approach it? Are there any tools that you've been given over the years that another young goalie might be able to listen to, whether it's breathing or uh, a phrase you might focus on to help when that 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 energy, and I use the word nerves, probably not the right one, but with that that hype level that you're sort of, you're so geared up for something, sort of help keep yourself on a level plane and in the moment even when the moment is new and, and exciting and big. Yeah. I mean, I work with, uh, I work with Dr. Cassidy Preston and, uh, you know, I've been working with him for a few years now and, and he's kind of completely changed the way I approach the game and I approach every day, um, even off the ice. And, um, it's kind of something now I'm just geared, I'm geared and, and, um, geared towards, and I just see hockey and life at a different perspective. And, it's something so easy as, you know, I write down goals every year before the season starts and um, you kind of chip away at them as the season goes on. And 
for example, like one of mine two years ago in the OHL was to be drafted to the NHL. And another one of mine was to be signed to the NHL. And as slowly do you start seeing those things kind of heading towards those goals. Once you achieve them, you kind of, you feel that extra boost of confidence. And for me, that's what I do. Like for, I had written down, written down on my phone that, you know, one of my goals for the season is to be drafted. And when that draft came and I heard my name, it kind of, it kind of was just like a, a confidence booster and, and something that you see yourself doing at the beginning of the year. And then it actually happening, you know, you, you, you kind of learn to see it at a different way and say, you know what, I deserve this. And, um, all the hard work, you know, even though like even off the ice, all the hard work on in the gym and behind the scenes, um, has all paid off. And another example is like breathing. Yeah. Like I do a ton of breathing exercises, even as simple as just close your eyes and take a hard, deep breath in and let it all out. And, you know, I seem, it seems to relax me and, and, um, calms me down and, and lets me get back into the moment. Even during games, I do it. Um, so those are all different things that, you know, I kind of work towards, but, um, the other thing too, is like, I, I talk to Dr. Cassidy Preston about it every week is understand why you played this game and what is the love of the game. And, you know, as a kid growing up through the, like during, growing up through your career, you don't really, you know, look at it as a way of like, why did I actually start hockey and how, and how did you start hockey? And for me, it was as simple as walking out of a hockey arena, I saw a goalie session going on and, you know, from there I found the passion of being a goalie and before games, I really think about, you know, why did I be a goalie? And you see it in a different way. Like I, I play goal to, I play goalie because I love it. Not because, you know, uh, of a win or a loss or, you know, sign, like signing my NHL contract or, or being drafted, you really played it just for the love of the game. And those different accolades you can achieve as your career goes on. So for me, I simply just sit there and I say, why do I play this game? And how did they start playing this? And it just brings me back to pregame of like going out there and enjoy it. When you started hockey, you didn't think, you know, I never in my, in a million years would have thought I would have been signed to the NHL when I'm 19 years old, when I first ever started playing hockey. Was it a dream of mine and a goal of mine? For sure. But when you really take it in consideration of how many kids are fortunate enough to actually sign an NHL contract, you, you got to take it in as a as perspective of, you know, this may not, you may not achieve that goal, but it's definitely a dream. And so before every game, you look at it and say, you know, just go out there and have fun tonight. Focus on like what you can do best and how you can help your team and not so much about the different achievements you want to achieve or the goals you have set. Because all those things will eventually come once you start working hard and you start, you know, understanding that hockey is, is, is supposed to be fun and enjoyable. So go out there, play your game of how you ever started this and, and enjoy yourself. And that's really for me, like anyone younger and somebody and kids that are wanting to become a goalie or even a, an athlete in general, just remember why you started the game and play every game as if it's your last, like enjoy the last, enjoy it as if it's your last and, and understand why you play it. And I really think that, you know, helps me out the most. Okay, so I got to ask is so what about the goalie session attracted you to it? Like you walk by you see a goalie session. I mean norm- normally the origin stories are I was a fan of this guy or I was a little brother who had to be in net on the street to play, you know, or you know, my big brother or my dad was a goalie. Like 
what about that goalie session that you walked by and saw was like, hey, I got to do this. And why do you love it still now? What about the position? Because clearly it comes through in your voice. Like I'm pumped up listening to you talk about goaltending. What do you love about it? Well, yeah, I was actually getting off the ice and walking out of the rink as a player. And I saw a goalie session going on and I, I asked my dad, I go, dad, what is that? And he was like, those are goalies. And I don't know, we kind of just sat there, watched the rest of the goalie session. And I was like, you know, I want to be a goalie. And at the time I lived next door to my grandparents. And um, I asked them when I got home, if they were able to buy me uh, goalie equipment. And my grandmother said, the only, re- the only way I'll buy you real goalie equipment is if you become a street hockey goalie first. And so she bought me street hockey gear. And to be honest with you, I never took it off. Um, <laughs> I, was, I literally used to watch hockey games with it on and reenact like the goalies and during the game. And it sounds silly, but uh, really that's, that's the origin story of how I started. And from ever since then, I just fell in love with the position and with the game. And um, yeah, I, I mean, really at the end of the day, I, I love it because it's an individual position and being able to rely on yourself and, and, take things in your own hands. And that's really what I like to do. I like to be independent with things, you know, um, they all, everyone says goalies are weird, but, uh, I definitely disagree with that statement. I mean, we're weird in our own ways, but so is everyone else. But no, like, I, like I said, I just enjoy the, the, the way that, you know, I'm like the backbone of the team and I, I like to feel the pressure and, and the excitement. And I use all that stuff as energy. And, and really at the end of the day, that's why I love this position. Hey, the answer doesn't sound silly at all to me. I can think of a couple of Hall of Famers we've had on this podcast who have similar origin stories. So I think there's a common ground there for sure. I got to ask, like, what, so when you eventually went from street hockey to ice hockey goaltending, when, when, they, when, they, when they'd seen enough of the street hockey to know you were serious about it, um, like, are you a gear guy? Did that first set of pads, do you remember what it was, how it came to be? Oh, yeah, they were, they were black white and silver Reebok pads. Nice. And that had a, bl- had a black CCM stick. Uh, that was probably way too heavy and big for me at the time. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big gear guy. I like to, I like to try different things and uh, check out new gear, but I still have my first ever set back at home in my garage. And like, it's, it's just special that, you know, you get to keep those things. And then one day, hopefully like I could pass them along the family and, and, you know, maybe one day my kid gets to wear those pads and that gear and, um, bring them back out of the, uh, of the, of the garage. But yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. Okay. So, um, to dial it back to camp a little bit, we got into origin story there a little bit, but what's it like you mentioned being on the ice with all those guys. Um, what's it like being on the ice? And I've had the privilege of, of doing it, not as an aspiring goaltender, but as a, as a journalist and video guy, you know, with, with Loren Brassois, with a Stanley cup champion, with Connor Hellebuck, a Vesna trophy winner. What do you get a chance to pick their brains at all, to mingle a little bit, to you sort of ask them questions about goaltending or is it, is there a, is it a little more standoffish in a, in a, in a camp environment like that? No, I mean, absolutely. Like, uh, I love picking their brains a little bit again to see and hear what they have to say about, uh, about certain things, obviously they're pros for a reason. And, um, they're both phenomenal goaltenders and, um, it shows obviously with all the achievements that they've won. Um, so I mean, picking their brain, I, I, I did it quite a bit. I can't just got to hear some things that they got to say, but, um, for the most part, you know, we're, we're practicing and I'm just like, it, it's just, 
like you said, like one's a Stanley Cup winner, one's a Vesna Trophy winner. And to have both those guys in front of me and that I get to watch and take tips from them and see, you know, what it takes to be a professional at that level, it's uh, super amazing to be able to be on the same ice with them. But like I said before, um, when you're out of a camp environment like that and, and drafted and signed, you, you kind of treat yourself as if like you were meant to be there and, and that you're kind of at the same level and, and compete with them each and every day, you know, get yourself better and, and push them as well. So um, I think that's really the main thing was being able to be on the ice with those guys and, you know, compete with myself and compete with them um, to make myself better so that, you know, one day um, hopefully I get there and, and I'm ready at a, at a, at a next level that, you know, I can kind of start competing with them on a different, on a different level. But um, for the most part, I think, absolutely pick their brains as much as I can and, and hear what they have to say because they're both phenomenal goaltenders. Yeah. You can be there and be, you know, working, you be, be, put yourself in peer mindset, be a part of it, but asking questions like that to me, that doesn't necessarily mean you're like trying to fanboy it. You're just trying to learn, right? Like there's nothing wrong. Like we see that at the NHL level with guys trying to learn and bounce things off each other all the time. Um, you know, what about with, with Wade Flaherty, with, Drew McIntyre, any lessons that you took away from them? Any specifics on, you know, maybe how your games evolved since you've been to a couple camps now? And I guess, actually, I'll rewind that a little bit. Describe your game for us, because not all of our listeners will, you know, have an intimate understanding of, you know, what made you an NHL draft pick? What got you a contract? What made you the OHL goaltender of the year last season? You know, what do you see as your strengths and and how would you describe your game to others? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a, a complete goaltender. I feel like, you know, my skating, my, my view of the game, you know, my, my reads, my hockey sense are, are very good and something I pay a lot of time and attention to uh, watching video and, and during practice, making sure that, you know, skating and my, and my hockey sense and the way I read plays and see certain things on the ice are always at tip top shape. But at the same time, um, I would like to say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good sized goaltender, someone who plays big, powerful, uh, loves to handle the puck. I find like being a third defenseman back there is key, um, especially going up through hockey and, and through my career, being that backbone and being able to, you know, help play the puck and um, direct the, the, the team as you see pretty much the whole ice. So uh, yeah, I love, I love to play the puck at the same time as like, you know, being able to have that goaltender mindset like I feel like you know being drafted and signed to the NHL it took a lot of mental work and a lot of understanding that there's going to be adversity as a goaltender but I like to take that adversity as a learning point and use that as motivation for myself that's kind of how I was able to get through my career there was definitely a bunch of ups and downs and times that you know things may not be going well for you or for me, but taking, you know, feedback from coaches is something that I love. And, and I say to all of them, like as, as much feedback as you can give me, please give it to me. Because at the end of the day, the more feedback I get, the more I get to work on my game and evolve myself into being something, um, hopefully like a hellebuck or a baswell one day. And so, like I said, the, the adversity and the feedback is something I use as a motivational thing in a positive way to push myself to get better each and every day. Any, can you give us one little example of something you might've taken away from camp, whether it's from Heli, whether it's from flats or, or Drew McIntyre, where it's like, Hey, I hadn't thought of it this way. And 
yeah, maybe this will go into my game or at least I'm going to try it. Yeah. Or something like a couple of, like my first camp, um, I used to play a very, a very wide stance, used to get low a lot. Um, when fighting through traffic would try to get low and look wide and I would get burned a lot up top and goals would start going in up top and I wasn't able to react fast enough. And so as soon as I got to camp and was able to talk to flats and drew, um, the first thing they told me was stay bigger, have an outer, outer position stance and an inner position stance, but always try to see that logo at the front. And so I completely, um, changed my stance and watched a ton of video at how I can work on it a lot of time in practice to you know have that outer and inner stance and um be able to see the logo at all times fighting through traffic look over top of guys um don't get low don't get wide kind of thing and i definitely they they told me that feedback and i took as much advantage as i could during the extra time of practice and stuff like that to work on it and it completely changed uh the way i play to this day it still continues to help me being able to play bigger and, and react to shots a lot faster like, like that as well. Uh, it's funny. Cause that's, I mean, that's a pretty common one, right? Like we've, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast or seen stuff on ingolmag.com, like the, you know, too wide, too low, too soon is sort of a mantra that's, you know, we've heard from goalies at every level over the past couple of seasons, maybe even a little longer. I do love that advice of sort of being able to see the logo. I'm guessing when you're looking at yourself in video, um, keeping that chest up, uh, is that that just a nice little takeaway that you can cling to when you're watching video the day after a game? It's like, oh, hey, look, logo's gone. I'm 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 too low. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta obviously have stronger legs as a goalie, and you know have a tight have a strong core and glutes, and I think that's something that you like. I worked on a ton in the gym was to be able to correct my stance for that. Those are the three main things, in my opinion, um, because you know to keep the chest up. And be able to sit low in a in a powerful stance. You need to have the the power through your legs and your core to keep you like that. So it's it, yeah, and and like and like you said, it comes right through video. You can see it right away when you're in a proper position, or when you start getting too hunched over and your logo starts to disappear. You know right away that you can adjust in what you need to do. The other part of that is is a bigger goalie at six foot three. It can feel as you make that adjustment, like you're a long way from the ice. Did you have to get comfortable that, hey, like I can get down, I can get to the ice. I need to stay upright for other reasons in order to, whether you said protect the top of the net or just make yourself more mobile by not being locked in too, too low and wide. It's really easy to say, but I, I think I think for a lot of guys, it's, that's not an easy adjustment to make. No, I mean, yeah, being 6'3", uh, definitely have a long way down to the ice, but um, like I said, if you're in the gym working on your on your core and on your glutes and your legs, it it'll become very easy. The power, you know, it's kind of just trusting your instincts. You gotta you you still gotta keep a low stance through the through your legs and and making sure that you're um, not kind of you're not straight legged at all to keep tall, but you're more so keeping your chest up higher. And while sitting more in a squat so that you can get down fast and you're powerful, but at the same time, you don't want to be too straight up either in your chest so that, and, and kind of limit yourself from moving. Um, you still want that kind of hunch over, but it's not like you're shrinking yourself. It's more so just on a little bit of a slant and, and hands active and being close to the ice helps you move in a power, powerful position and get down quick. Did you notice a difference in sort of having access to your hands as you got that 
like you said, it's not just about being low and wide. It's about getting that chest sort of up and out, you know, sort of presented to a shooter, so to speak. Do you notice like, because I, I, I think sometimes when we cut at the hips and lower our chest, the tendency is to pull our hands back as goaltenders. Did you find it made it, it easier as you adjusted to sort of maintain that access to the hands? Oh, absolutely. For me, it completely changed the, the react, my reactions and um, my hand speed. Like being able to keep that lower powerful stance while keeping my, my chest up. As you move on like and, and shots become faster, stronger, um, using your shoulders are and your and reacting to shoulder saves is is a is a lot dependent on um, sometimes more so than your hands. So for me, being able to keep taller and, and stronger up top, um, reacting to shots with my shoulders made it a lot easier. As well as you know, reacting with my hands, it's it's so much easier. You're at eye level, um, your eyes are looking down at that puck, and and it's so much easier to track pucks as well. Now, um, you t- we talked about street hockey and, and where the passion for goaltending started in terms of just seeing that original goalie session. Was there any one goalie, whether it was in the NHL or junior, was, did you have a guy? Like when you were out there first playing street hockey before you even hit the ice, did you have a guy that like you were making that save as this goalie? He was the guy that you were making game that game seven overtime cup winning save uh, on the street out front of your house, who were you? Yeah, at the time uh, it was actually Jonas Gustafson with the Leafs, and the monster. Uh, I even I even actually had the monster on my helmet, and I've had it on my helmet since I started hockey, pretty much. I love uh, it. when I first ever got helmet painted. So yeah, he, the monster Jonas Gustafson was really who I who I would reenact and and see myself as, and then. Um, obviously it changes as, as life goes on. And then it became James Ryan was for a little bit. Um, and then it came, became Carey Price as many would say. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it kind of changed as the years went on, but I've always kept the legacy of the monster on my helmet and, and yeah, it's still with me here in the OHL, um, the, having the monster on my helmet. Love it. There's a guy that actually, if I think if we reround the tape on, we would probably see would have benefited from some of the current philosophies about a little narrower, a little less wide. Um, not to, <laughs> it just popped into my mind, right? Like, is that when I vi- envision him playing and I got to watch him in the AHL and the NHL and up close in practice, you know, there's so much skill and talent, but you know, again, he was just part of that generation where low and wide was pretty common. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he was, he was a good goalie back then with the Leafs and, uh, that's why I took. That's why I took tips from him and uh, would reenact them. When when did you when did you get your first goalie coach? Let's uh, throw around to, like some some influences, some guys that helped you or girls that helped you. You know, coming up through the ranks after you made that transition to ice. You know, becoming the goaltender you are today. We've talked about the guys that maybe you've gotten touches with at the NHL level. Uh, we haven't talked about your goalie coach in in North Bay Maverick uh, Parks. Uh, anybody else that sort of you know like who you are as a goaltender is quite often a combination of different influences over the years. Who's, who's influenced you the most over the years? Yeah. My first ever goalie coach was Piero Greco. Um, he was some, he was pretty much the one that taught me everything I've, I've learned and everything I know now. And he moved on with Marley's and then now with the, the Islanders. Um, and then I moved on to Frankie Palaziz, who actually used to goalie train with Piero as well. So, I was fortunate enough that, you know, both, both of them were kind of on the same page as Frankie was taught by Piero. So 
uh, Frankie's really is, is who I use now and he's completely changed my game and I couldn't thank him enough for, for, uh, for everything that he's taught me and, and kind of how he's changed my whole game. Um, and he's with the Sarnia Sting, um, goalie coach. And then as well as Maverick Hartz, who's my North Bay goalie coach, he's also helped me a ton with, with certain things throughout the seasons. And, you know, obviously having somebody there throughout the season when, you know, little things are, are need a little bit of a tweaking um, and Mavs there right away to kind of change the way, you know, certain things are or help me tweak those things. Uh, he He's helped me tremendously over the years and I couldn't thank him enough either. And um, all three of them were, are huge, are a huge part of my career and, and have helped me to get to where I am today. It's interesting. I, I'm not sure I've ever met anyone that worked with Piero uh, right up to the NHL level that doesn't have a hasn't have really great things to say. So I'm not surprised to hear more of it. Um, walk me through the process with with your goalie coach in North Bay, uh, Mav Maverick Parks. After a game, like the next day, for example, or whether it's a couple days later, maybe there's an off day in there. Although I know you guys don't get much in the Canadian Hockey League in terms of off days. What's that like? Is there a video review? Do you guys go through things together? Is there a back and forth conversation? Is your goalie partner involved? You know, for for kids listening right now that you know are looking to make next steps and want to know what it's like at the next level and how can they maybe prepare for it? How do you sort of process a game, look for things that you like, and maybe try and find things as you said, little tweaks here and there that can you can maybe make adjustments in the future? Oh yeah, well I I do a ton of video whether it's with uh, Mav or by myself, um, I rewatch every game I pl- I play and uh, try to find little things myself to even work on. But um, over here in North Bay, we're fortunate enough to have a like a video system called Sports Logic. So it pretty much breaks down all my shots and um, everything that I kind of face in a game. And so yeah, we sit down and we go through each clip and to kind of point out you know the things that I maybe did well or the things that you know. Um, you can work on and, and clearly and see and dissect it as to maybe why I did that play instead of something else or um, how I can, you know, do something else instead of doing what I did. So um, we sit down there for a good 15, 15, 20 minutes and try to dissect every little thing in my game. And uh, we do it right before practice. Now, when we jump on practice, um, we kind of have a plan of what, what we saw in the video to work on. So, um, but yeah, it, Going through, going through hockey and and, uh, and uh, trying to be a professional athlete, video is huge, and seeing what you could do better each and every day, or what you what you are doing good, is important. And um, I take a lot of pride in video and, and try to watch as much as I can to be able to, you know, work on those things. And even if it's all positive things, like, you know, how how can you continue working on that to make it even better and even sharper? So. Yeah, we do a ton of video uh, pre and post game. I love it. I love that you do your own video as well. So in addition to looking at your game, um, how much of that process with video is reads? You know, because we we know the technical side, we know the positional side, but in terms of being able to anticipate and see the patterns on the ice in front of you, how much of that time is spent sort of like, you know, picking out like, oh, hey, I didn't see that this guy was here. And because of his hand positioning or whatever, maybe I should have done this instead of that. Like, is that something that video can help with for you? A hundred percent. That's kind of what I was, what I was saying was what I can do something different to what I did. Like there's always clips of, you know, maybe you don't see the guy back door and when you don't see him, 
you don't know what handy is. And so you, you over, you overcommit and you pretty much fly by him too much. You get squared to the body instead of the stick. And, you know, he has our side open and how you can do that different where you can maybe take a quick glance back door and see quickly what handy is so that, you know, when that pass does go across, you know, where to, where you have to position yourself to make that save and square up properly. But yeah, no video definitely helps a ton with that because it gets the whole, the whole scenario, the whole play kind of being able to look at yourself. Did you look off the puck? Did you see where everyone was? Did you quickly scan in the ice in front of you? Um, did you pivot enough? Like there's so many different things that you got to look at while doing video, but at the same time as it does help you tremendously um, being able to see from a different point of view, because obviously during the game, there's, there's a ton going on. So you may, you may not really think about, you know, you may not really think, did I do that during the game? But post game, when you're watching that video and you see that situation, you, you could go back and be like, Oh, maybe I didn't look and I didn't scan to see where that guy was. And that's why that goal went in was because I wasn't square enough. So it video helps tremendously with that. Do you have to be careful too not to chase change for the sake of change? Like, you know, it's funny, James Reimer was one of the guys that I remember talking about this over the years. You know, sometimes pucks go in. Sometimes you can look at the video. I mean, it's an oddly shaped object in a game being played on on frozen water. It bounces and there's bodies everywhere. Do you, sometimes can you go through a stretch and look at video and be like, man, like goals went in tonight, but I don't think I need to change anything. You know, maybe look for certain things, but not feel like you need to reinvent the wheel, I guess. Because I, I, I do think at times we can start to look for changes for the sake of change when things are going well. And sometimes we can play really well and the puck still goes in. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes you got to give credit where the credit's due. So as a goalie, I mean, mistakes are going to happen all the time. And, and you know, sometimes you're going to play a great game and there's just some bad balances that happen. And it's unfortunate that game. but. Um, there's no, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, video will help you see, you know, maybe I didn't look off that puck. That could be one reasoning, or maybe, you know, I was perfectly square. I did everything right. And the player just, you know, picked a nice spot. You got it past you. And sometimes you got to give that player credit for that shot. And, you know, it, it, it happens all the time in, in hockey and you got to be able to see, you got, you check that video and yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe I could have had had my hands out a little more, but that player, beautiful shot. Next video, move on from it. It's in the past. Now when that situation happens again, you try to make that safe. Anything last year, I mean, OHL goalie of the year, was there anything that changed for you last year compared to years past? Like I know it's a constant evolution and it's clear in talking to you um, that you're passionate about the position and all aspects of it on the ice and off the ice. But was there one specific thing that sort of helped you take a step or was it just more a constant sort of like, like I said, evolution that sort of continuously building momentum up to that point? Well, of course there's, there's, there's always going to be consistent evolution and, and constant and constantly working on things, you know, that I may already be good at and, and trying to make it even better. But I think the biggest thing was my mindset towards the game. Like I said, working with my, my, with, every week being able to understand what why i actually play the game as well as experience um hockey is about experience and and playing in the ohl especially the um being one year later in the league so being in my second year in the league helped me tremendously 
And having that experience, you know, in my first year, I was fortunate enough to get into the playoffs and play in games um, in my very first year. So to be able to go into the playoff, into the season the next, the following year, it was kind of like I already know what I have to do and what I've already, what I need to do. Um, I've already had that experience. And now I just take it and run with it. And pretty much that's kind of what happened was obviously I had a, have a great organization and great staff and, and fans here in North Bay as well as teammates. So that helps tremendous, tremendously as well. But as an individual, having that experience, um, that growth mindset, focusing on the process of how the season goes on. And like I said, it's all, it has to do with certain things too, with even off the ice, away from the rink, how you approach every day. You know, it's as simple as 10 minutes in the basement doing hand-eye coordination is something I do at least three to four nights a week. So just being able to focus on that stuff and, and be able to take it into the games helps tremendously. Okay, well, that was going to be one of my last questions, but you opened the door there. Hand-eye coordination, 10 minutes, three, four times a week. What are you doing? Juggling? You got other things you do? Yeah, I mean, I do a whole bunch of things. I have uh, something on my computer that I do uh, uh, that Winnipeg set me up on um, called Visual Edge. Yeah. Um, I use I use lacrosse ball, about, like off the wall. I have a board in my basement, a wood board that I throw the ball off of. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things you do. I mean, I'm not going to give away all the secrets, but um, (laughs) there's a ton that you can search up. And that's really how I started was by searching them up on the internet and seeing what other people around, around the the sport are doing. Um, It it could easily just be as simple as sitting there and and following your hand with your eyes, getting eye exercises Um, doesn't necessarily need to be with a ball every time, but um, there's a ton of there's a ton of things that you can do and that I do that help me with that. Well, Tom doesn't want to give all away all his secrets, but I can tell the, the goalies <laughs> listening that they I think I know a website where you can find a lot of different examples of things you can do to get better. So um, we're here for them. Um, last one, because so much of this has been about mindset and I've loved listening to your approach and how it's evolved. It's been it's been a real uh, breath of fresh air just to hear you talk about it. And, and so passionately. But after having a season like last year and knowing you've got another year this year, you, you mentioned the Memorial Cup, obviously a lot of talk about world juniors. How do you approach this year from a mindset perspective? There's big things ahead. Had a good camp, all the things that await you in the future after signing your NHL contract, but you still have to stay in the moment with North Bay. And sometimes that is the easiest thing to do whether it's golf, because that's another sport where we hear it a lot, or goaltending, the next shot, next save mentality is really easy to say and sometimes difficult to do. So how how have you approached this season in terms of wanting to maintain growth mindset and and staying sort of in the moment? Yeah, uh, there's obviously always something to work on um, in this position, whether it's mindset-wise, whether it's off the ice or on the ice there's always something to work on. And I think for me, like I said, the experience being in the league now for three years and, and experiencing a bunch of different scenarios and situations uh, definitely helps. And, but I mean, at the same time, it's not about reinventing the wheel. Um, obviously, you know, going through last year, I was fortunate enough to be awarded the goaltender of the year and sign an NHL contract in the summer. I think it just has to do with, you know, coming into this year, having that confidence that, you know, I have the ability to play at this level and, and I know what to do, but every day it's, 
it's about finding something to work on and making sure that everything is sharp at all times and uh, being ready for when the na- when your name gets called, whether it's in a game or hopefully one of my goals is to make world juniors. So um, making sure that every day you go into that day with a, a clear mindset, focusing on that process, like you said, next shot, next save mentality. It's, it's easy to say, but not easy to do. But when you figure out, when you figure out how to actually do that, it makes the job and it makes the sport so much easier and the position so much easier. You know, a goal, goals are going to go in, but at the end of the day, you, you got to learn to have a short memory. And that's probably the biggest thing as a goaltender is having a short memory. Things are going to go sideways sometimes, but how can you bounce back to, you know, letting that go in the past. And now you focus on that next shot and make that save. And really at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing is being able to have those things. I mean, obviously work with my mind coach, it helps me tremendously, but like you said, next shot, next day mentality and the experience is, is key to this year's success. Love it. I love it. Dom, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I know there's a lot of young goalies that are going to be listening to this and have a lot of great takeaways that'll help them through this season. And and hopefully they'll be out there trying to be the next you when they're playing street hockey down the road in years to come. Thank you so much for spending the time with within goal and with our audience today. Appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast out here and uh, hopefully uh, the young kids get to learn from, from this. And um, just like I was one day, one back in the day learning from, you know, um, professionals and, and older people that have been through it. So um, I'm super happy to be on this and I'm really honored. Thank you for having me. How about the prospect pipeline in net for the Winnipeg Jets? You've got a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender already in the pipes. You've got a guy who won the Stanley Cup on the bench and supporting Connor Hellebuck. And then you've got the reigning OHL goaltender of the year. And you've got the reigning WHL goaltender of the year in your system. Things are looking good in Winnipeg. Yeah, not bad at all. And and a goalie coach in Wade Flaherty who does a really good job of working with different styles too, right? Like, you know, it's funny. I remember doing radio in Winnipeg back in the day as as Connor was sort of learning the ropes in the NHL and making some adjustments. Don't forget, Helly came into the National Hockey League, didn't even have a reverse VH in his game, was strictly a VH guy. There were things that he had to add. And early in that process, through some struggles for the team, and a spotlight on the goaltending, I actually used to get asked by radio hosts in Winnipeg if the Jets should make a change with their goaltending coach. Really? And I had the privilege, obviously, of getting to watch Wade work at the Net360 camps uh, and get to know him a little bit. And so maybe there's a bias there when you get to know somebody, but I'd just seen the work. And I understood the process that some of those young goaltenders were going through. And here we are, not all that many years later, and like you said, Vesna Trophy winner, you obviously they're doing a great job with the scouting and development when you see the kids they've got coming. And you're like, yeah, you know, you look back at that question, and you realize kind of how silly it is. And I, I bring this up because I've had similar questions from other markets. I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to bring spotlights out, but I've had similar questions in other markets recently about that. And it's so easy to blame a goaltending coach. I think the first thing I would do is look at the defensive environment, which, by the way, wasn't great in Winnipeg at the time uh, and isn't great in some of these other markets where that focus is going to the goalie coach. Man, like you got to really pay attention. And even I can't. If I'm not in the city every day, I don't get to watch them work. 
Um, but you talk to the goalies and you quickly understand who teaches out there. And there are a lot of great goalie coaches that get a bad rep based on maybe short-term results when you understand what they're doing and developing a building. And I think Flats is just a great example. There's a market that was ready to be done with him and not that many years later. Look at the trophies that have been collected. Look at the prospects that are in the pipeline. Oh, there's so much to be said for the environment and not just the defensive environment, but the environment around the team and the system that they're playing within and the goaltenders themselves and where they are in their personal development before we can start assessing anything. It's a really complex system. I wanted to head up the show with this, Woody, and I, and I forgot because we don't have Darren here to guide us. But I was curious, and maybe we need to leave this for next week. I'm just going to plant a seed for you. I'd like you to look into uh, all the great data that you have access to from our friends at ClearSight Analytics. And tell me, are there some things happening in NHL goaltending this year that maybe buck the, the storylines that are out there? Um, because every, well, I mean, for example, uh, are there goaltenders that are getting a little bit slammed by the press that maybe we don't understand uh, how well they're performing? Are there some guys maybe that people are lauding for incredible performances and people don't understand that they've got a great defensive environment? What, what sort of bucks the common trend uh, this year in terms of the media perception of goaltenders that if we look a little deeper, maybe the situation's a bit different. Does that make sense? It does. I, I think in a lot of time, a lot of cases at the end of the day, it's going to be about the environment. Like the narratives that are wrong are typically about the environment. I'll yeah, I didn't mean one. necessarily the, ex, the, the explanation, although I, I, I agree, you're probably right about that, but just there must be some that people aren't aware of because let's face it, ClearSight does a better job of collecting this information than anybody else. And then you've got the, uh, the additional layer of insight from talking to everybody. Yeah, no, it's, um, that's, it's, the one thing that I'll say is we saw save percentage drop all the way to 904 last year. Yeah. And so that's down from a peak of 915 in consecutive years over a seven-year period. It's just bang, 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 drop down. And it's interesting because goalies are still judged on sort of historical expectation mm -hmm. rather than the reality of a consistently declining save percentage. And so I had a conversation with one goal, interestingly enough, in the National Hockey League. And it, this wasn't him whining to me. This was me talking about, you know, why? Because I had a piece at NHL.com sort of, and these are topics we've visited many times here at Ingle, but at NHL.com sort of like trying to explain like, hey, why is this happening? Why is save percentage cratering? Like we could, at the current rate of decline, if not this year, then by next year. We're going sub 900. We're going sub 900 yeah. as the league average. And so, you know, like I got a guy who's like, he was like, yeah, I saw some noise or some articles about this other guy having hit the worst save percentage of his career by a couple of points. But if you, com <laughs> but if you compared it to... Yeah, relatively, it might be up. Yeah, yeah. He, was he was actually above league expected. Yeah. So, you know, three or four years ago, it would have been, it it's equal to a 10-point bump. And so, you know, it's not necessarily a trend. But when we talk about goalies and compare them, and when we start to look at, you know, 900 is sort of that, you know, for lack of a better term, Mendoza line, uh, you know, to borrow a baseball phrase, you know, maybe not so much. Like if league average is going to be humming around 900, you know, there's, and, and again, I just think that the environment matters so much. And, you know, I still collect the check from the National Hockey League, obviously working for NHL.com and love the people I work with there and enjoy the work. 
Um, but I would caution you also, and when we talk about analytics and and sort of filtering that environment, not to read too much into the new NHL edge statistics, especially when it comes to goaltenders. There are some fun stats in there for skaters, and I think you can draw information from some of it if you know how to look uh, and where to look. But on a goalie perspective, they call it high danger. They don't even go mid-danger and low-danger. They just call it mid-range and low-range. It appears that the numbers they're collecting, well, it's going to give you a league average and compare your goalie to the league average in each category, and you can get information like where shots are coming from. It's literally location only. None of the other data that we've come to know means so much. Lateral passes across the middle of the ice as, as a big one. Yeah. Um, how that puck gets to that spot, whether there's layers of traffic, is it there a play or a broken play or a pass before that forces a goalie to move east-west? None of that data is in there. Matter of fact, I saw a map of the screen when they rolled it out and the NHL average uh, save percentage or shooting percentage on the map was like 10 or 11% from below the goal line, according to this data. And I'm like, there's no way they're sniping at a 10, 11% clip mm-hmm. from below the goal line. So um, grain of salt that, uh, you, you know, even as it adds context and that's great, but it's not enough context to judge the goaltenders um, as much as some people seem to be making it out to be. So that there would be my lesson for the day and my lesson courtesy of the goalie that explains to me um, from the other side of things. Take a look at the historical comparison. Like, like a 905 last year was above, above league average. Right. Whereas it wasn't that long ago, we'd look at a 905 and be like, ooh, is this guy long for the league? That was above league average last year. It's been, it's tough to be a goalie these days. These shooters are getting incredibly good. And they're not, there's the other trend. They're not shooting as much. So Higher there are shots. some teams. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's looking. For, I shouldn't say everybody because there still are some teams that are antiquated in their thinking. That pucks on net, puck, pucks on net, pucks on, on net. net. And hey, listen, with traffic and the right type of environment, there are times to funnel pucks to net and you can create mm-hmm. chaos and create goals. But if you're just throwing it on the net expecting a, a rebound, goalies these days are controlling at nine, you know, 99 out of 100. That low shot along the ice with no screen is into the netting, mm-hmm. right? So, at, which interestingly, we talked about that with Dustin Wolf in the, in the uh, pro drill that's up. His feel-good drill. So that's one thing that I notice. Um, and again, I've talked to a couple of guys about, you know, they'd be like, I used to have 30 shots and I'd have three, four, sometimes even two tough ones. Now I'll have seven or eight tough ones, but I'll only have 22 shots. So you're not padding that save percentage statistic with the easy ones you used to get. And the other part is, you know, as the shot quality goes up and shot quantity goes down, you know, those are the ones a lot of us, rely on for to feel good, right? Those are the feelers. The 99 mm-hmm. percenters, I call them. The ones you know you stop, but you feel good getting that touch. Uh, those are disappearing quickly too. So you lose that sort of feel-good shot. You lose that one that pads your stats. You see your save percentage drop, and the rest of the world's rolling their eyes at a 905 when really you're above average in the best league in the world. Well, as time goes on with access to more stats like this, we should be able to get a feel for your theory about there being fewer shots of higher quality now just because the numbers will be right there we should be able to pull that out it'll be something to keep an eye on i'll probably bug you more about some of this stuff at the beginning of the show next week woody because i just think it's fascinating to look at a different layer of this i 
I mean, don't even get me started on the usefulness of save percentage anyway. I think it's a crazy stat. And as parents out there, I'll be put my goalie parent hat on as I so often do. Don't even worry about it. The number of parents who are up in the stands taking the count of shots of their kid and trying to figure out a save percentage and judge whether their kid has had a good performance or rationalize something for themselves. Look, go enjoy the game. Find some good things that your kid did that day and praise them for it. And they're going to know what didn't go so well and they're going to work on it. And the rest doesn't really matter. Just go out there and enjoy the game. If you really want to judge a performance, because I've done that occasionally just to help my kid feel a little bit better, uh, you could go check out Brian DeCord's app at Stop at Goaltending. It's game day, I think it's called, Woody. And you can track a little bit of stuff on shot quality as well to give you your own inside view of how to look at a game, expected goals and so on. But even then, don't get too tied up in it. Like the kids aren't in the NHL. Let them go out there and enjoy the game. Well said. Thank you. Yep. And now we've I'm all gonna done. Go enjoy, I'm going to go enjoy a couple of games here. Canucks. I think you Blues, should. I and then some should. guy named Shesterkin and the Rangers are in town. And how about Johnny Quick? Man, there's so much. Next week when Darren's back, we're, getting, we're going around the league. We're hitting your prediction in Tampa Bay. You called it. What if the Lightning stick to their guns and stick with the guys they believed in in the offseason? And Jonas Johansson is full value for that. Good for him. Good for Frangin, who I'm sure probably played a role in that. Um, how about Jonathan Quick? Not just did he have a shout-out last night and his first two starts have been great, but have you watched where he's playing on the ice? Like, is this old dog new tricks? I don't think Max, even off the rush, heels out edge of the crease, like not playing as aggressively. And I know he'd backed off in L.A. a little bit and backed off in Vegas, um, but it looks like he's backed off even more at the Rangers. He looks really controlled. They're a defensive wagon, as most teams are in their first year under Peter Laviolette. But there's a lot of trends I want to get into around the league. We'll save that for next week. But uh, in the meantime, I get to go talk to these guys, little little Casey DeSmith, a little Thatcher Demko. Little Joel Hofer coming off a shutout. Little Jordan Bennington. Little Johnny Quick. Little Igor Shesterkin. I'm going to have a hell of a weekend, my friend. I hope you're taking Hofer one of the prized in-goal hats as a congratulations for the shutout or maybe some golf balls because he's a huge golfer. I was thinking uh, those along those exact lines. So okay. the good news is I'll see him before he uh, hears this. So if I forget, he can't yell at me in person. He would. He would look really sharp. Uh, on the course this summer, maybe with us, Joel, wearing that nice in-goal hat, driving a beautiful in-goal ball right down the middle of the course. Love it. Love it. I'm okay. on it. I will let you get to work. I will let everybody else get to the rink because you're finishing this podcast now and probably heading in. Enjoy your day on the ice. Uh, enjoy your week on the ice, everybody. And we will see you next week. Our thanks to our friends at The Hockey Shop and The Hockey Shop dot com source for sports langley our thanks to sensorina for presenting the feature interview and our thanks to you for listening we hope you have a great week in goal 